welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 370 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not only asked you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. I'm not going to lie to you. Majority of this first segment is coming from the heart of a disgruntled Washington Commanders fan. If you're looking for any type of biasness or unbiased opinions in this first topic, you're not going to get much. Must have like you're you're not going to get that. Thursday night football. The Chicago Bears go into Washington and get their first win in almost an entire calendar year. They beat Washington 40 to 20. Let me say that stat one more time. The Chicago Bears get their first win in nearly a full calendar year. And when you look at the numbers, (laughs) Justin Fields threw for 282 yards, four touchdowns. DJ Moore had a career night. He caught 230 yards, three touchdowns. I'm not going to stay on the the Chicago Bears for long, but what I will say is Thursday night football, you saw the Chicago Bears finally create a scheme or create a game plan that suited Justin Fields perfectly. I mean, Justin Fields had 11 carries, which you usually don't see when, of course, the Chicago Bears lose. Justin Fields was quick with the ball. He was precise. He did miss 14 passes, but the 15 that he did complete was was accurate. I mean, DJ Moore, again, he had a career night, man. He went 230 yards. I think at the end of the first quarter, he had 125 yards and like two touchdowns. In the end of the first quarter, it was complete domination to a certain extent. Yeah, Washington made made plays towards the end of the game and probably the third quarter, but it it it, it didn't feel as obtainable i'll say this i think washington cut it to 10 and you felt if washington didn't score on the next drive which they didn't i didn't think they really had a chance to win and they obviously didn't they obviously lost uh again this i'm I'm not when when i did the prediction about the afc north the nfc north i apologize when i did the prediction about the nfc north And I said that I'm expecting a big year from the Chicago team. This is the type of year or this is the type of team I was expecting to see. They spent so much money on the defense. The defense was dominant last night or on Thursday night football. They spent or they they spent money to get DJ Moore. They got Chase Claypool, who ended up getting traded uh, yesterday to the Dolphins. We'll talk about that in a second, but. They got so many. They got a couple pieces that could help Justin Fields. You still had Cole commit. You you still had. Well, you did lose David Montgomery, but you got Khalil Herbert. Like I, I just thought that this was the team that we saw on Thursday night was the team that I thought that we were going to see coming out the gate 
And if they continue to play like this, I'm not going to say that they're going to leap themselves into playoff contention. I'm not going to say that this is a turning point. This could be a turning point for the Chicago Bears. I don't know yet. I'm going to talk about Washington in depth in a second, but if the Bears continue to play like this, if they continue to, I'm not going to say dumb down the scheme because that to me sounds disrespectful to Justin Fields. If they continue to make it easy for him, make the make the field look easy, make the make the easy throws. If you're able to do that, I think that. This, I'm not going to say the sky's the limit, but you're going to see a much better product out of this Chicago Bears team moving forward. Again, this was one of the best games I've seen from Justin Fields in a while, from start to finish, because, yes, last game was probably a little better that they lost to the Broncos, but obviously how it ended didn't <laughs> didn't look too well. But from start to finish, this is probably one of the best games I've seen from Justin Fields in a while. And this is obviously the best game that DJ Moore has ever had as a professional football player. So, shouts out to the Bears for beating the Commanders 40-20. to Let's talk about the Commanders for a second. I think the issue... The biggest issue that I have with this Washington Commanders team. Again, I'm before we start, I preface this by saying you're not going to get a bias or an unbiased opinion right now. You're you're getting a opinion or you're getting a, a viewpoint from a disgruntled Commanders fan. What my issue is It's hard for me to see the improvement year after year from this from the Washington Commanders. You have the names and the players to have improvement, to make improvement, but it seems like when the Washington Commanders lose, they lose pretty much the same way. They either they they almost always play down to their competition or or play up. Somebody said this. Perfect. Washington plays down. They they are. How do you describe Washington? Right. They'll play down to their competition. Then they'll also win a game that they have absolutely no business winning. And that happens frequently. This isn't just a Chicago Bears Thursday night football thing. This has been happening since Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio got to town. I know it's almost sacrilegious sacrilegious to speak down or criticize Ron Rivera. Be, we know about the health, the the health over, overcome or the the overcoming of poor health that he, Ron Rivera, has gone through, and for that, I'm happy for. But do you, the way that I can, the way that I justify if you're a good coach or not is 
does your presence improve a team? Does your presence hold back a team? Does your presence even matter for a team? That Those are the three categories I look at when I'm deciding if I think you're a good coach or not. For example, nobody would deny that Kyle Shanahan's presence on the 49ers is a huge impact. Positive impact, let's say that. I don't think that I think the 49ers would be good. I mean, look at the team that they have, but I don't think that they'd be as good if they did not have Kyle Shanahan. Even though they've been struggling since they won the Super Bowl, I think that Sean McVay, his presence on the Rams is much better than it would be without. I think that Mike McDaniels for the Dolphins, I think his presence on the Dolphins is much better if it if he wasn't there, I think that the, all three of those coaches, Sean McVay, Mike, Mike McDermott, uh, uh, Mike McDermott, Jesus, <laughs> Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Mike McDaniel's, I think that they're all three great coaches. You have to ask yourself. With the talent that this that the Washington Commanders roster has, has this team gotten better? By the names, when you talk about names, it may have gotten better, but has this team honestly gotten better? In my humble opinion, I don't think so. I know going into the season, I said that a big question mark I had was, of course, Sam Howe. And rightfully so. We don't know, or we didn't know going into the season, how Sam Howe was going to look as a full-time starter. And I also understand that we're only now five weeks in, but you still didn't know. And five weeks in, I can honestly say that I like Sam Howe. I think that there's growing pains that, of course, are happening and, and need to continue to happen but I think that Sam Howell has been really good especially behind a offensive line that isn't the best obviously I mean I think Sam Howell has been sacked the third most times in the NFL this year so working with what he has Sam Howell has been really good he's been better than expected in my opinion And I am not one to call for somebody's job. I know how how hard it is out there finding a job. I, I understand that. But what I do know is this Washington team has not gotten better with Ron Rivera at, at all. And what's what's even more glaring is you look at teams in the NFL around that probably shouldn't be where they are right now. And because of coaching, they're, like for instance, D'Amico Ryans, 
the Texans are much better now record-wise or not, but if you look at them play, the Texans are much better than their record. A lot of that is because of D'Amico Ryans. A lot of that is because of C.J. Stroud, but also D'Amico Ryans and how he is he has been able to get the team to buy into his philosophies. And it has obviously it's still a young team, but they play incredibly hard. Nick Soriani. Nick Soriani had probably one of the worst opening press conferences in football history. Everyone rid him off. They just came off of a Super Bowl appearance last year. And I think it's 4-0 right now. What I'm saying is your presence has to be justified either in a positive way or a negative way. And I just I don't feel like Ron Rivera has been a positive for this team, especially when you have Eric Bieniemy right there. You have Eric Bieniemy in the building. And when you have the names like a Deron Payne, when you have the names like a Chase Young, when you have the names like a Jonathan Allen, when you have a name like Kyle Fuller, the defense should be much better than it is. Which is why I'm looking at Jack Del Rio. You shouldn't be able to script how the game is going to go in the first. I understand that you coming into the game, you have a game plan. But as a fan, I shouldn't be able to script how the game is going to go going in. That means that there's stagnation somewhere. Again, the Chicago Bears coming into this, coming into Thursday night, hadn't won a game in almost a calendar year. Now, I understand any given Sunday or any given Monday or now any given Thursday, but no, Mm-mm. this is unacceptable. It's like Sam Howell threw for 388 yards. Think about it. Sam Howell threw for 100, 388 yards. Not one receiver has over 80, has 80 yards. And that's no offense on the receiver course. Like, you know what you're, we know what you're doing. The offensive line is not good. Defensively, yo, defensively, we've given the Washington Commanders has given up over 30 points in the last, what, four games? Again, I'm not usually one to call for somebody's job, I, you know, but I do think that. You know, Ron Rivera, I've said this before on this podcast. You know, Ron Rivera only has one winning season his entire career. One. And that one winning season was 2015 with Cam Newton, MVP Cam Newton. And that Carolina Panthers team ultimately went to the Super Bowl. They lost, but they went to the Super Bowl. That's the only 
winning season in Ron Rivera's entire coaching career? I kind of feel the same way. And this is the last thing I'll say. I kind of feel the same way about Washington's head coach that I felt when they had that wild press conference pretty much announcing that they're not going to try for Lamar Jackson. When... You have to ask yourself, what are you being comfortable with? Because everyone, at the end of the day, everyone wants to be comfortable. You want to be comfortable in all aspects of life. Now, some, of course, some people's comfortability are different, obviously. Some people like a challenge. Some people like, quote unquote, soft life. Everyone wants comfortability in all aspects of life the way that they view comfortability. My question is, as a Washington organization, what are you comfortable in? Because if you're comfortable with Ron Rivera and you think that Ron Rivera is the coach that can take you over the top, because at the end of the day, every team's goal day one should be to try to win a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, there are teams better than others, but every day or day one, your goal should be to try to win a Super Bowl. And, and my thing is, if you're comfortable with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio being the people that lead you to a Super Bowl, I would say, where's the evidence that gives you that comfortability? And now if, let's take out 2015. Does that coach bold or or instill confidence in you? Because at the end of the day, Washington is two and three. And they lose the same way every single time. And I'm not saying the final score is always a 20-point loss. But what I'm saying is they play to the competition, whether that's down or whether that's up. And riddled with mistakes. Offensive line is poor. The The secondary isn't the best. The rookie Forbes, the one that I, I'm like, why did you draft him over Christian Gonzalez? He got benched. I would say try to find, I'm trying to find the silver line, the positives in, in Thursday night. Now outside of Sam Howell looking really good, especially in the second half. Washington lost by 20. And for some reason, you have an entire fan base. You have an, you have people that are... I'm not going to say that. Congratulations to the Chicago Bears for beating the Washington Commanders 40-20 to 20 on Thursday Night Football. 
Let's move over to the WNBA. We've had some big news over the over the past few days from the WNBA, and of course, tomorrow the WNBA final starts. And as expected, you have the Vegas Aces going up against the New York Liberty. And of course, when 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 you make moves like the New York Liberty made moves last year, getting uh, Brianna Stewart, getting a John Quell Jones, getting a Courtley Vandersloot, while you still have a Sabrina Dadescu and Benazia Bel- Bel- Laney, you th- th- this is probably one of the first times outside of maybe the Comet that won four straight. This is one of the first times that we've seen a, a, a super team built. And I mean, I mean, Asia Wilson was drafted to the Vegas Aces, as well as like, as well as Jackie Young, I think. And it's it's just you're seeing the battle of the super teams. Let's just say that you're seeing the battle of the super teams. And to me, like I said before, man, this this has been this is what the WNBA wanted when we talk about promotions and this is what's been brewing ever since Brianna Stewart decided to go to the New York Liberty. Now you have the defense you have the former MVP in Asia Wilson, you have the two-time defensive player of the year in Asia Wilson going up against the reigning MVP, two-time MVP at this point, Brianna Stewart. You have an MVP in Junkwell Jones. You have Sabrina Descu had the greatest shooting performance at this year's All-Star game. Like there is so many storylines that you can attach yourself to 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 decide who is gonna who you think is gonna win this bout. Now, I will say this. Every game this year that they've played outside of one has been a blowout. I mean, one game the Vegas Aces won eighty-eight to fifty-seven. One game New York Liberty won ninety-nine to sixty-one. One game the Vegas Aces won ninety-eight to eighty-one. I don't know how you would quantify that, but I I will say this actually. Yes, I do know how to quantify that. To me, these game these teams are so good, and these teams are so evenly matched that if you have any bit of slippage anywhere. The other team has the decided advantage. And when you're going into a game with a team as good as both of Aces and the Liberty, any type of slight advantage is major when you're talking about the margin of talent that both of these teams have. So if you go into the game and you may not be 100% defensively, or you may be just a tad bit tired because it could be a back-to-back, it could be on the road, that small advantage that would seem small in the grand scheme of things is huge when you're talking about a team as good as these two. So let's say Courtney Vandersloot doesn't play one game. That is a huge advantage. Say Aja Wilson isn't on her game. That's a huge advantage for the Liberty. Say Chelsea Gray has four turnovers. That is a huge advantage for the Liberty. Say John Quill Jones only has six rebounds. That's a huge advantage for the Aces. What I'm saying is there's not a, there's such a small margin of error for both of these teams when they play each other that 
any bit of slippage is a decisive advantage for another player for another, for the other team. Now, who do I think is going to win this game or this series? Going into it, I going into the season, I said that the Vegas I had the I felt the Vegas Aces were was going to win it all. I just when when you see everyone play their role perfectly. You have the best player playing like the best player on the team, which is Asia Wilson. You have Chelsea Gray. She's playing like one of the best point guards in the league. You have, you know, Kelsey Plum. Everyone was playing or it has been this season playing to their strengths more than their weaknesses. Now, losing Candace Parker was huge. But you did also see people like Kia Stokes step up. She, I think she's averaging 12 and a half. Now, she is tall as hell, but she's averaging 12 and a half rebounds a game. I just, look. When you have a collection of talent that the Vegas Aces have, and you saw what they did last year in the, in the WNBA Finals against the Connecticut Sun, I just felt it would be very hard to dethrone this team. Now, again, the and and I, and especially going I knew going into this year it was going to be a bit of a struggle for the New York Liberty coming out the gate. I mean, you have this collection of talent that has never really a lot of the young a lot of the women that play for the Liberty are coming from a situation where they were the number one option. Now you you go from that to maybe a number two, maybe a number three, maybe even a number four option. That that takes a while to adjust to. That takes a while to learn. And as we saw coming out the gate, the New York Liberty struggled, while the Vegas Aces had one of the best statistical years as a team in WNBA history. But everything is about one thing that basketball is about. It's about momentum. Momentum is vital to a team. I've said this on many occasions. One of the most dangerous things that you can have in a basketball game is momentum. And one of the most dangerous and detrimental things that you can lose is momentum. We've seen that on we saw that we saw that in football. The Chicago Bears last week had all the momentum. They were destroying the they were just I think they were up 21 points against the Broncos. They lost momentum. What happened? Broncos came back and won. We saw that in the Super Bowl. 28 to 3. The Atlanta Falcons had all the momentum. As soon as you lose the momentum, it's a wrap. It's anyone's game. And it, usually that's when the better team and that's when the best team rises up. You see that in basketball, a 21-point leads blown, 28-point leads blown. Momentum is a dangerous thing to lose, and it is a, it is a vital thing to have. I say all that because, yes, the, va- the New York Liberty struggled coming out the gate. But I don't. I can argue that there has not been a better team coming into the playoffs 
than the New York Liberty. I understand that the you know Connecticut Sun was really good, but they're out, obviously. I understand the Dallas Wings, they're out. I would say that, at least in these two, with the Vegas Aces and New York Liberty, the momentum coming into the playoffs was with the New York Liberty. They were arguably the best team in in basketball after the All-Star break. But that doesn't, I will say, I'm not going to say that doesn't matter. That matters tremendously. What I will say is, at this point, you have a very, to me, you have a very even matchup. Again, this is what the WNBA pretty much was barreling down to these two going against each other. Now, I'm not now that's no offense to any other team, but marketing wise, promote promotion wise, this is what was happening. And honestly, I don't I think the winner of this series is not going to come f- from a big name. Now, I think someone like Brianna Stewart is going to be incredible. I think that Aja Wilson, when you're that good, you're going to be good. I don't I don't foresee any slippage from Brianna Stewart and Aja Wilson, but I do think that their talents are going to equal each other out. I think that John Quill Jones and her talents are going to be equaled out by maybe a Chelsea Gray or maybe a Kelsey Plum. I think that Courtney Vanderstoo's talents are going to be equaled out by, you know, uh, a Kelsey Plum or a Jackie a Jackie Young. I think the winner of this series is going to come from the quote unquote others. Now that sounds like a disrespectful remark, you know. Oh, the others are going to win. But in a in a team sense, you know exactly what that means. The others are the t- are the players that you're not really exp- you don't want them to go off, obviously, because if they do, more than likely you're losing. But I think that the MVP of this series is going to be somebody that we don't expect. I'm not saying that they're going to win the WNBA Finals MVP. But what I'm saying is I think the winner of this series is going to come between someone like a, a Kia Stokes and how she, is she going to be able to control the glass? Is she going to be able to control the paint? Is she going to be able to get John Quill Jones is averaging 13 rebounds. Is she going to be able to get John Quill Jones out of there? Or maybe a Blagenady is Laney. Is she going to be able to, cause she is, she's a scoring savant. She has, she has probably taken the most step back Rightfully so with this team, the Liberty, but it's not because she's trash. It's honestly because there's only one ball. I think, I know going in, I said that uh, the Vegas Aces are, was going to win win it all again. And I think that defensively is going to decide who wins. Offensively, both of these teams are incredible, and both of these teams can put up points in bunches. But I think that whoever wins the defensive side of the ball and whoever's others are more impactful, I think is going to win. And honestly, because I think when you have Belagian Laney, 
when you have Sabrina Nadescu. I think that the New York and you have the momentum, in my opinion, going into the series. I th- uh, do. I want to pick them. I do also acknowledge and remember that one of the biggest reasons why they want the Vegas Aces won last year is because Chelsea Gray had like a historic run. She had one of the greatest runs an individual player has ever had in the WNBA playoffs. Mm, mm, mm. This is a difficult. This is a difficult. Uh, because to me these teams are so evenly matched, and you don't really, you usually don't see that. So usually there's a decisive, there's a de- definitive separation between both teams. Um. Mm. This is going to be a good one, man. Uh I'm trying to I'm trying to talk myself. No, you know what? I heard this this one thing that isn't really being discussed and one thing that I haven't really touched on is being there. Now, yes. I that's that. There's really no advantage to any team because Brianna Stewart has won uh, a WNBA Finals. Courtney Vandersloot has won. John Quill Jones hasn't, but she's been there. But then again, the Vegas Aces—they were also there last year. You know what? I'm I'm picking the Vegas Aces. I'm I'm going to go down with the ship. I've been on the Vegas Aces ship now. Of course, we all know I'm a Washington Mystics fan. They're not there, so I'm. I've been saying that Asia Wilson is the best player in in basketball. I've been saying that this Vegas Aces team is going to win it all, and now that they're here, I'm not going to switch up. Even though there's less conviction in my pick, but I'm still picking the Vegas Aces to win it all. I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to go to five games. Yeah. I got the Vegas Aces winning. Book it. Another the the other big news that happened in the WNBA was the announcement of the of an expansion team or expansion teams. I know the biggest one was in Golden State. The Golden State owner uh, Joe Lakeup they are bringing a WNBA team to the Bay. They're obviously going to use the Golden State Warriors practice facility, and they're also going to have games in Chase Center. I have mixed feelings about this. And I don't, depending on the time of day and depending on the thought, I sway either way. On one hand, I am ecstatic and I'm happy that you're adding another team to the WNBA. We They've been talking about expansion for a while, and I think that the WNBA is more popular than it's been in, in a, probably ever, and it's time to, to, to bring, a, bring new teams to the league. There's only 12 teams currently. It's, if, there, if there's never been a better time, now was the time. And I think that it's going to be exciting, and I, and I like I like the fact of expansion. That means that they're 
there is profit somewhere. There's it's it's profitable. I'm excited to see what is going to happen. And I'm excited that we are getting I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a basketball fan, you're getting another team. You're getting another opportunity to see another team try to win a, a championship. So I'm excited about that. So there's excitement there. And there is promise that there is, you know, once again, expansion usually means that one is the the league is profitable and two, it it's it's more popular than it's ever been. You see nothing an out an outpour and an outcry of of excitement that there is going to be a team in the Bay. This will be the second team in California. Of course, you know about the L.A. Sparks. So that uh, uh, that's that's one feeling I have: a feeling of excitement, a feeling of anticipation, a feeling of 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 happiness that I can I understand that you know the the WNBA is growing and the WNBA has has more fans than it's ever had and it has the ability to um, expand. So there's there's happiness there and anticipation. But on the other, in the other hand, and and on the other side, in my opinion, I understand the benefits of expansion, and I understand why you would want to expand, why you would feel the need to expand. But what I don't understand is how you can expand, but there still needs to be improvement with the product that you already have. Again, we've been talking about the issues that the WNBA faces. I think with the expansion, though, I think there's two teams. I know Golden State was announced. I don't know if there was another team announced. I could be wrong, but I think that there's going to be 14 teams. So why? Think about think about the issues that have plagued the WNBA for the longest. There's not enough. There's not enough roster spots. So you have first rounders, first round pick, first round picks of that year getting cut first round picks getting cut so there's not enough teams can't hold roster or hold large rosters because they just can't afford it speaking of affording what about the flights i am old enough to know that there has been issues since i can remember of the WNBA and flights they still don't have charter flights outside of the nba wnba finals so what you're saying is on any given night, you can be on the same plane as a WNBA champion. It's like, I understand, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to be that person that only looks at the positive. I mean, only looks at the negative. But I'm looking at the situation at hand. Why are you expanding when 
there is much needed issues to be addressed with the product that you already have. And it doesn't seem like with expanding that product is going to be just uh, going to be solved, resolved. Again, I, I'm, I'm happy that there's going to be expansion, you know, but it's like, OK, so does that mean that there's going to be two more teams that can't that has to cut players that well-deserved players, players that should be on on teams. They're just not because they can't they can't afford a roster spot or they're just two more teams that are going to struggle with. You know, you have a game in the morning or a game in the afternoon, but your flight gets canceled the night before or the night before because you're taking United economy and someone like me takes takes your flight bro they don't even have first class flights I like (laughs) again man I don't want to be that person to crap on a positive but it's like there are still issues at hand that I don't feel is it, it could be if if these issues are are rectified and solved with with expansion, then I'm all for it. I will come on this podcast and say, hey, I was hella wrong. They got this right. But until then. What's happening? Until then, I'm happy that they're expanding. But it's like, what about the issues that have already been here? How are they going to get fixed? We'll see. Let's uh, let's give my predictions for week five of the NFL. Again, we already had Thursday night football. So let me give my predictions week five. Now, the first game on Sunday is at 930. You have the Jaguars at Buffalo. This is the first time I think ever that a team has played back-to-back weeks in on a, on foreign soil, uh, and that is of course the Jaguars. The Jaguars played last week in the Toy Story game against the Falcons. I will say this: the Jaguars are one of those teams. I think that this game is going to be a lot closer than we think. I think it's going to be a lot better than a lot of people are giving it credit for. The Jaguars are one of those teams that play much better overseas for some reason they're one of those teams that find themselves constantly getting picked to play overseas play in london or play you know somewhere not in the u.s and usually those games bode well for the jaguars now i will say that this is probably the best team that they faced overseas that is the buffalo bills and you have arguably the front runner for the mvp right now and josh allen coming to to play i just i think it's going to be a close game because again jaguars have been there to travel it's going to be tough for the bills but i do think that talent overall overcomes and i have the bills beating the jaguars again in a much closer game than people are thinking uh i have the i have the bills beating the jaguars tennis or titan ooh, texans at falcons i have the texans 
I think the Texans are one of the feel goods, one of the most feel good stories, at least early in the season. CJ Stroud is in the running for offensive rookie of the year. Uh, they have one of the better defenses in football. D'Amico Ryans, in my opinion, should be in the running for coach of the year, at least early in the season. I think that they're playing arguably the the best football that we we could we I'm not gonna say the best football. That's let me let me let me back up. They're playing a brand of football that we did not expect them to see or expect them to play at least this early in the season and this early in the D'Amico Ryan's and CJ Stroud era. So I and not to mention. I think Desmond Ritter, even though they are at home, Desmond Ritter has struggled majority or early this season, and they rely so heavily on you know the greatness of beating on Robinson that I don't. And the Texans have a really good run defense, so I have the Texans beating the Falcons. Panthers at Lions. Until I see a emphasis on running the ball. With the Panthers, I'm going to pick against them every time because, again, you and you need time to develop as a young quarterback. Some people need more time than others. Some people need more help than others. And as we're seeing, Bryce Young needs that time, needs that help to develop. And when you're throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game, that's tough. Uh, I understand you're down, but still trust. I mean, still trust the running game. I don't think I think they abandoned a lot. I have and the the Lions defense is tough. The Lions team as a whole is good. I have the Lions beating the Panthers. Titans at Colts. Mm. I'm gonna pick the Colts. I think that the Titans struggle with mobile quarterbacks, and you're about to you're going up against Anthony Richardson, who is a a week, two weeks removed now from having the concussion. I think that the 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 Colts are primed to win this game. Even though the Titans have been good, it looks like Derrick Henry is looking more like Derrick Henry. But I just have the Col- I think the Colts are going to, and the Colts are at home. I have the Colts winning the game. Dolph or Giants at Dolphins. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to say it's going to be a seventy burger. I will. I will never predict someone's getting 70 put in their head but what i will say is the dolphins the 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 giants are one of the worst teams in football especially when you talk about the offensive line it doesn't look like saquon barkley is going to be playing and you're coming you're you're playing a dolphins team that just got chase claypool who who i let me let me talk about that for a second i don't think that chase claypool is going to do make much of an effect for this Dolphins team, I don't think they really need him when you have Jalen Waddle, when you have Tyreek Hill, when you have Chosen, when you have uh, the Raheem Moister. I, I I mean, I know it adds to it, but I just don't think he's really needed with the Dolphins. So, uh, you know, who knows? But I just don't think it's going to be that big of getting Chase Claypool, especially how his tenure ended with the Steelers, how his tenure ended with the Bears. I don't think he's going to make much of a difference. He has the talent to, but I just don't know if he will. But with that being said, I think the Dolphins are just going to destroy the Giants. So I have the Dolphins winning. Saints at Patriots. To me, this game depends on how, first of all, how healthy Derek Carr is. And if he's not good, like how quickly they take him out. I think that the Saints 
are one of the most under well are one of the most not talked about stories and how they're they have been not good at all this year as far as their defense is really good but it seems like they've regressed in most of all areas uh but I think it all depends on Derek Carr. And if Derek Carr looks anything like he did last week, the Patriots are going to win. But I am going to pick the Saints. I just, what I look like picking the Patriots. Like, come on now. <laughs> uh, Ravens at Steelers. Matt Canada is still the, Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. So I got the Ravens winning. Uh, Bengals at Cardinals. This is a huge game for the Bengals. Uh, this is a huge game for Joe Burrow. This and the Cardinals are going to play inspired. They're going to play well. I actually, I know it's a crazy thing. I'm think I'm going to pick the Cardinals. Just how the, I I know people are saying that you know, or all the reports coming out this week are pretty much saying that Joe Burrow's injury is behind him. Okay, I did also see what he looked like last week against the Titans and this Cardinals team does play hard I think the Cardinals are going to win this game I got the Cardinals beating the Bengals Eagles at Rams I have the Eagles winning I just think that the Rams offensive line isn't that good even though Cooper Cup is expected to play him and Puka is going to be great uh but I just that 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 pass rush for the we saw what that pass rush did uh what the Bengals pass rush did to the Rams. I just think the Eagles are better. Uh, I got the Eagles winning. Jets at Broncos. I have the Jets winning. That's, the Broncos are on pace to have historically the worst defense in NFL history. And uh, I'm not expecting Zach Wilson to do much. But as we're seeing, you can look like vintage Joe Montana against this against the Broncos defense. So I have the Jets winning. Chiefs at Vikings. The Vikings defense is horrible, and the Vikings aren't really that good. Uh, I know you're at home, but it's the Chiefs. I have the Chiefs winning. The, the game to me of the season so far, the Cowboys at 49ers. I think that. I mean, I'm picking the 49ers. I think that this is the two obvious b- best teams. I'm not going to say obvious because these are arguably the two best teams in the NFC. And it's, real, it's pretty much the defense of – can the defense of the 49ers get to Dak Prescott? And I think that they can. But then again, can the defense, the Cowboys defense, get to Brock Purdy? And I think they can as well. I don't, I got, I just got the, I think that the 49ers are playing, I think the 49ers right now are playing like the best team in football. Uh, And I think it's going to be exciting. And I got the 49ers winning. Monday Night Football, Green Bay Packers at Raiders. I don't care about none of that. Packers are going to win. The Raiders suck. So we'll see. Those are my predictions. Speaking of predictions, let's move forward. Motivation is a people find motivation in different different aspects of life, different areas. Some people get motivation just out of nowhere. Some something usually ha- something has to happen for some people to get motivation. When Team USA lost. In, in the FIBA, FIBA World Cup, and I think they finished like fourth or fifth. 
embarrassment is a motivation for some people. And you saw once they lost and you saw when they lost, I think last last FIBA or whatever, when they had like Kimball Walker and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on the team. Team USA has not put out their best basketball product in a while. And you you see people like Noah Lyles having com- making comments. You see, you know, the whole world world championship thing and how a lot of people feel that the world has caught up to the United States. To me, that is, well, not to me, that has been the most motivation, that has been the motivation for most of the people that have come out and essentially committed to playing for Team USA. There's been about 20 to 25 stars that have come out and said, yo, we're gonna play for Team USA. The, big, the, the, the most recent one was Joel Embiid, who he could have played for three teams. He could have played for Nigeria, he could have played for France, and he could have played for Team USA. He decided to play for Team USA. Now, I'm going to give – there has been a bunch of people that have said, yeah, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, I'm committed, I'm going to play. One thing that people need to understand is there's only 12 roster spots. That means people ain't making it. And I'm going to give my 12 roster spots. Like, I'm going to give the team a 12 that I think is going to make it. But before I do that, I want to address the statement that the world has caught up to Team USA in basketball. What you have to understand is, I understand when we look at players like a Joel Embiid, when we look at players like a J- Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Luka Doncic, you can think to yourself that the le- the world has caught up to Team USA. And I've even said on this podcast that gone are the days where you can just roll the ball out and be the best team. I said that looking at the team that you had that we had playing in the FIBA, the Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Paolo Bancaro, uh, Anthony Edwards, Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, those, Brandon Ingram, those, though that was the team. And that team is not good enough to just roll the ball out there and you beat, you beat anyone. As we saw, they lost to Germany. They, they lost to, they lost. But in order to say that the world has caught up to Team USA, you have to understand that statement can only be made when the world or somebody else beats a the top, top, top the best talent in Team USA. Which, as we've seen on several occasions, that has not happened. Like, no, usually a best talent doesn't go. And when they do go, they dominate. So I do think that the world has gotten closer to Team USA, let me say that. But caught up? No. Mm -mm. Uh, Yes, Giannis is one of the best, if not the best player in the world. Nikola Jokic is one of the best, if not the best player in the world. Uh, Joel Embiid just won the MVP. Um, Luka Doncic is one of the most best scorers in the league. 
But those are just, what, four players. There are some really good foreign players, but I'll say this. Let me give my let me give my twelve because again there's been there's been a bunch of people that have come out and said that they will play for Team USA. But one thing that people forget is there are going to be cuts, and not everyone makes it. So they are obviously the staples, the people that are definitive locks that have confirmed that they're going to play. You have Steph, you have LeBron, you have KD, and you have Joel Embiid. Again, Joel Embiid could have played for France. He decided to play for Team USA. I wonder why. Um, Devin Booker, he's pretty, he's pretty, he's arguably the best two guard in the league right now. And Jason Tatum, those are the locks to me. Those are the, those are the players that they're for sure making it. It don't matter who you pick. It don't matter what you thought. Those one, two, three, four, five, six players are making it, which means there are six more spots. Now, You've got we've had about twenty people, twenty to twenty five people say, Yeah, they're they'll play for Team USA. That ain't happening. Depending on his health, obviously, I have Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is I, I understand that he is the butt of the joke a lot, especially when we talk about the new rules for, you know, the, the new CBA and the sitting out games and stuff. Can't really do that no more. Uh but when playing, Kawhi Leonard is still arguably one of the best players in basketball and arguably one of the best two-way players the league has ever seen when when playing. Uh, and if he's able to stay healthy, then I, I definitely have Kawhi Leonard making the team. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is arguably the a top three to four point guard in the league. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah. Damian Lillard probably is going to make the team. Uh, Bam Adebayo, I think that when we look at centers, I, I don't know. I think he's the second best center, second best American center in the league behind, I guess, Joel Embiid, seeing as though Joel Embiid's playing. But, I mean, I don't, yeah, I'm picking Bam over, you know, Miles Turner. I'm picking Bam over Jaron Jackson Jr., especially after what we saw this go around. I got Bam out of bio. Uh, AD. I don't think AD wants to play the five. I mean, he's expressed that his entire career. He doesn't like playing the five. And right now, I got KD's as really the only four of them, LeBron. So, of course, I think, uh, depending on health, AD is probably going to play. Not to mention, AD is one of the best players in basketball when healthy. Like, he's arguably a top five player when healthy. Uh, and I have AD. Um... It, that that comes down to the last two roster spots. Uh, you've heard people like Bradley Bill saying he'd love to play. Paul George saying he'd love to play. Uh, Jalen Brown, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Like we've we've seen a lot of players. I don't think any of those. Even though I do like Paul George and I and I like all those players outside of maybe Donovan Mitchell. I think that those the last two roster spots are going to be rewarded to people that have been there in the past and that have been very integral in the past. What I mean is, I think the last one of the last spots is going to go to Kyrie. Kyrie, world the World Games, he was the MVP for the world. Uh, it was the World Cup. It was him. 
I know Clay was on the team, Steph, Derrick Rose, Anthony Davis. Out of all that, the the plethora of talent, Kyrie emerged as the as the MVP of that squad, and I think that Kyrie would be would be great for the team. So I have Kyrie, and lastly, I, you know, there's always a Christian Leitner spot. There's always a spot that one one player you're like, how the hell did he make it? But you kind of understand it's like the up and rising or the the rising up and coming player. I think that, that spot is Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards was leaps and bounds the best player for Team USA this year. Uh, and I just think he's probably outside of him and Shea Gilders, but Shea Gilders obviously plays for Canada. I think that Anthony Edwards is the perfect last spot. So my Team USA squad is Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Devin Booker, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, Bam Adebayo, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, and Kyrie Irving. I just I, I like Paul George. I I, I I just I would probably I don't know because Kyrie go crazy overseas. I don't know, man. I, that's my list. Again, there's a lot of players that have said that they're playing. There's only 12 spots. We'll see. I could be obviously wrong, uh, but we'll see. So I'm excited. Um, moving forward, man, we are in the MLB playoffs. This is yet another year that another team that a lot of people thought were going to win it all didn't even make it past the wild card. Yo, the Tampa Bay Rays had one of the best starts to a MLB season we've ever seen. I think they won like had like the most consecutive wins or something like that to start the season. They got bounced 2-0 to the Texas to the Rangers. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, we saw we we saw the Brewers get bounced by the Diamondbacks, and the Brewers were thought to at least make it to the NLCS. The Phillies beat them beat the Mariners. Now the Phillies got to go up against the Braves. Uh, look here, man. I know nobody's picking them because they're young, and I got look. I'm doing it. I got the Baltimore Orioles. This is the this is the season from heaven. I got the Baltimore Orioles. I know they're young. I got the Baltimore Orioles at least making it to the ALS, ALCS. At least. Uh and I got the Braves. I got the I got the Braves. In fact, no, I'm just, I'm gonna do it now, man. I got the Braves and the Orioles meeting in the in the World Series. The Braves and the Orioles Orioles. And I got the I got I got the Braves. I got the Braves winning. <laughs> the Braves have been arguably the best team in baseball this season, so I got the I got the Braves. I could be wrong, but we'll see. Put some respect on my Orioles. My Orioles. What the hell? <laughs> Put the respect on the Orioles, man. That's the only team that I can really root for that's close to home. So hey, Baltimore Baltimore, Maryland is not the DMV. I'm just letting y'all know this now. So I'll uh, oh my gosh. And in the I, I just know is oh boy, it's coming. Every um announcer is just gonna be like, Oh, we're in the DMV. We're not. You're in you're in Baltimore. Baltimore is not I know like Maryland Baltimore is not part of the DMV. You have to pass Odenton to get to Baltimore. 
No. I just I just know it's coming. You got McDonald's giving out mumbo sauce. You got the MLB announcers and play-by-play analysts are going to say nothing. We're here in the DMV or it's just it's coming. It's coming. I'm just letting you know now. It's not the DMV. Let's move forward. Um, I did want to give a shout out and congratulations because I don't see really nobody talking about this. Um, to the Team USA gymnastics team, they had a record. They won a record seventh straight team title. And Simone Biles, I think, won like her thirty, <laughs> her thirty third major championship medal. When we talk about dominance, it don't get much further than. Team USA gymna- women gymnastics, bro. Again, to win seven, to win your seventh straight team title is crazy, bro. Do you know? Do you know how demoralizing that is to work your whole life to to be in gymnastics just to know that if Team USA is pulling up nine times out of ten, you're finishing in second to third, second to last. That's crazy. Simone Biles is arguably the greatest gymnast we've ever seen. Most accomplished for sure. It's it's that's crazy to think about. Or even in basketball. We just talked about Team USA. Imagine, you know, being in Germany or being in France and, you know, working out your whole life just to win a gold or just to win a a, a, a Olympic gold medal. And you look, <laughs> you've been playing your whole life. You're probably considered a, a great player in your country. And you look over and you see Steph, LeBron, KD, and Devin Booker and Jason Tatum stepping on the floor. Like, God damn. Like, I can imagine. But yeah, man, shouts out to Team USA uh, Women's Gymnastics for recording their seventh straight team title. I, I can't even imagine being that dominant. And Simone Biles for almost undoubtedly being the best gymnast we've ever seen in the world. So, shouts out to them. Unpopular topic of the day. Oh, boy. I talked about uh, Colin Kaepernick last episode. And I think this episode I have to center on Cam Newton and him. A report came out saying that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the owner or part owner or something like that of the XFL, had a conversation with Colin Kaepernick expressing his want, that is The Rock, expressing expressing his want, wanting of Colin Kaepernick to play for the XFL. And he pretty much said that he doesn't think that's going to happen because Colin Kaepernick, his goal was to get to the NFL, not the XFL. And then like a day later, I think Cam Newton was on somebody's podcast. I don't remember off the top of my head who it was, but he was on someone's podcast talking about getting he was on um, RG3's podcast talking about getting back to the league. And the question came up, would you go to the Jets if they called? 
And Cam Newton pretty much said, you know, I wouldn't go because, like, I'm what? What am I playing for? I'm. I wouldn't. I think gone are the days where I'm taking five point five million dollar contracts just to pretty much play for a year. My thing is, what is the goal? Because, in my opinion, when you have a goal, all of your actions should be geared towards getting to that goal. Everything that you do should be geared towards accomplishing or achieving said goal. And you and and let me preface this by saying people that know me know I am a huge fan of Cam Newton as a football player. I think Cam Newton was arguably one of the greatest college football players we've ever seen in Auburn. I think that Cam Newton was one of the most electrifying players and arguably the mo- one of the most mobile, if not the best mobile quarterback we've ever seen. And I think that Cam Newton should be and will be in the Hall of Fame one day. But again, it goes back to what is the goal? And this isn't just a Cam Newton thing. This is Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick. What it sounds like is the goal has been for, the, for a while now to get back into the league. To get back onto an NFL team. Which neither one of them are on right now. So when I hear Colin Kaepernick, or they say that Colin Kaepernick is refusing to play for the XFL. And then I'm hearing Cam Newton out of his mouth say, I'm not taking, I think gone to the days where I'm taking $5.5 million contracts. You know, the situation has to be right for me. Here's my thing, bro. What situation? No team is calling you right now. Again, I love Cam Newton, but I'm looking at the situation at hand. There's sometimes you got to make sacrifices, my G. Gone are the days where you're Superman. Right now, you're un- you're not in the league. Colin Kaepernick, you have not been you have not been seen on a professional football field since 2016, the same year. I graduated college. Mind you, 2016 was seven years ago, almost eight. You have not, you do not have a game of a, you do not have a footage of game in damn near eight years. And you're talking about not going to the XFL where you can display your talents like like a PJ Walker and ultimately hopefully get onto an NFL roster. Cam Newton, you do not play for the league right now. You do not have a team. And you're talking about I going to the days where I'm doing $5.5 million contracts. It's not even about the money, bro. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how are you in a position 
to scoff at opportunities. Colin Kaepernick, how are you in a position where you're scoffing at opportunities? To me, eyes is the biggest opportunity for you guys. You, Someone needs to see Colin Kaepernick play a, a down of football. Why not go to the XFL? Cam Newton, you feel that you're still good enough to be a starting quarterback. Well, you know how you can prove that? Be on the field. I just don't get the goal, man. I don't get the goal. Because if you say the goal is one thing, why would you do the complete opposite? Because think about it. If the Jets call Cam Newton, right, and tur- and he turns it down, who else is calling? Do you think he, I could be wrong. Obviously, I don't know. But it doesn't seem like Cam Newton has a plethora of teams calling him right now. I, I am a thousand percent sure that Colin Kaepernick does not have a plethora of NFL teams calling him right now. So why would you, Colin Kaepernick, scoff at going to the XFL, which has proven to get some people to the NFL where you're trying to get to? Cam Newton, you say that you're not ready to retire, but you're turning down opportunities. Make it, man. All right. All right. We good. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast, man. I truly appreciate you guys. Um, If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. They have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to reach a thousand. I mean, oof, I've reached a thousand. I'm trying to get as many subscribers as I can, and it definitely means a lot. Come on, join the join the train. It 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 means it means a lot that you got. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Also. Follow the socials, follow Instagram, follow TikTok. I post pretty much daily there. So, you know, we can have a conversation. We can debate. You can see a lot of my content. Follow the socials. Uh, And until next time, much love.